Welcome back to the Word Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and for the second week in a row, I'm joined by a venture-backed Scottish entrepreneur solving problems for companies leaning into the future of work with hybrid policies. So many trends in that statement. Coming off a recent fundraise, I asked my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Michael Coburn, co-founder and CEO of Desana, to come share why venture capital investors have backed his vision for the future of commercial real estate. Statistics show more than $825 billion spent each year on underutilized offices that no longer serve the needs of post-pandemic workforces. We learn how the Dasana platform is supporting global corporates and scale-ups as they transform into hybrid companies by enabling these companies to manage how their workforce uses office space. As I said before, the office will be an important tool in the platform of work but not the same way as it has been historically. Michael talks about the changing nature of knowledge work and how management and work culture is evolving. He explains why enterprise companies are driving demand for flexible workspace and what the supply side of the market needs to do differently. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on this episode or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. Now, as you've heard me say time and time again, I believe in plus not versus. Our last episode focus on the flexibility of remote working. This one is about adding the human connection we all yearn for to that equation. Let's go meet Michael. Welcome back to the Workable Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Parker, and today I'm joined by Michael Coburn, co-founder and CEO of Edinburgh-based Dasana. Dasana is a hybrid workspace platform for global employers. The business enables companies to manage how their workforce uses space globally. Staff can choose to work from their employer's own buildings or from Dasana's fast-growing global network of workspace operators in 90 cities across 42 countries, and they give companies the ability to curate which spaces can be accessed by any member of staff. Michael co-founded the company with COO Steve Jeans back in 2016 and has gone on to raise nearly $5 million in venture capital from a consortium of international investors, including Excel, Techstart Ventures, and BFG from the UK and Ireland, German-based PropTech One Ventures, and Canadian-based Groundbreak Ventures. Now, my industry friends will love that the idea for Dasana came from Michael and Steve's own experience of working from home in pre-pandemic times. They missed a human connection found in the office. Welcome to the Workable Podcast, Michael. Thank you for having me, Caleb. It's been a long time coming. You should have been on this podcast maybe season one. I remember back in 2017, I believe. Yeah, it was 2017. We met up. We were running our, our pilot space for Bold at Old Street here in London, and we were put in touch through a mutual friend. We met up to talk about your vision, and i Thought it was a great idea, of course, and here you are today. You've made your vision a reality, and speaking of your vision, you've recently come off of a big fundraise, and some very smart people have invested in your vision. So for those people who are listening today who don't know you like I do, can you give us your elevator pitch for Dasana? Yeah, absolutely, and um, I remember it well, Caleb, the, uh, the first bold space. I think you've come a long way as well with your ideas, and kudos to you for that as well, equally. And yeah, so to give everybody a, a bit of a, a background or summary of what we're doing at Dasana, we work exclusively with businesses with decentralized workforces to simplify how they give 
a, a distributed team uh, access to workspace. This is sort of compromised in two ways. The first and probably most primary way is we partner with hundreds of different flexible workspace providers. We're in 42 countries, uh, 90 something cities all over the world and, and growing really fast, particularly in the US and in Asia and all over Europe. And we provide a single invoice, single interface for companies to be able to provide their teams in all of these locations access to flexible workspaces on demand. The employees can use the Desana platform and book themselves into a workspace as and when they need to. And that solves a massive problem for these companies with distributed workforces trying to meet all their people's needs by taking that process from sometimes months and quite an inefficient process of giving small groups of people access to workspace. So that can sometimes take months. It takes five seconds with the SANA. So really increasing efficiency and solving a bandwidth problem for the real estate teams in these companies. The second part is allowing companies to manage their own offices more flexibly. So we're seeing a lot of companies moving to sharing models for desks within their own buildings. And we stumbled upon the fact that we have already built that functionality, the ability to set capacity and manage who can book where within an office space the way that we've built the infrastructure of the SANA allows companies to really fluidly manage a sort of hybrid workspace model where you may have a large amount of real estate that you want to use more flexibly, squeeze more efficiency out of that real estate and tie that together with a number of smaller satellite sites and workspace on demand with work from home. So that messy blend, uh, tying that messy blend all together with a single platform is really what we're doing here. And this is, that has its foundations in the fact that we've built backwards from this kind of aggregated and um, bringing the global flex market into a single platform. And now we're really doubling down on how to tie that all together in a user-friendly, data-driven way for companies. So that's the full long pitch I think it's smart the way you solve this problem because back in my touchdown space days in DC, we were solving for the on-demand problem, but the other problem we faced often was that the companies already had their own booking system and they didn't want their employees to use other people's apps. They wanted them to use their own booking systems or they had some offline way of booking their internal space that they didn't want to move from. And we didn't solve for that. You guys are solving for both. And that's I think that's the smartest way to do it because then you've got everything tied into one platform and just makes it easy. But historically, when we talked about people booking spaces on demand. It was really entrepreneurs and freelancers. They've been the focus, at least in the media or the supply side of the industry. But enterprise is becoming a larger part of this market now. And I know that's a customer target you guys are focusing on, I think. But what what's driving enterprise? What is driving this? So when we started Desana, we started, as you say, with a focus on sort of freelancers and small businesses. We made the decision about a two and a half years ago now to cut our ties with uh, focusing on B2C or B2B and focus on larger businesses. What drove that decision was essentially sitting with a whiteboard and trying to fill it with as many problems that we could solve for a particular customer type. So we profiled uh, different kinds of companies, different kinds of use cases and fill the whiteboard with what problems they have, spoke to them as well and uh, try to figure out what, the, what challenges they have. And we came to the conclusion we could fill half a small whiteboard 
with the problems we solve for individuals and the budget that they have to solve their problems a lot of the time is quite small and when we look at the problems we can solve for enterprise businesses or companies with heavily distributed teams you're getting closer to two large whiteboards rather if this is now a international unit of measurement it's a new measurement in the uk because when i came over i had to learn how to work in stone and if i worked out that one stone equals 14 pounds so one whiteboard equals maybe 150 yellow sticky notes i think there's definitely a yeah there's definitely the sort of metric and traditional measurements here so yeah post-it notes versus whiteboards so two large whiteboards were landed with the problems we could solve for, for these larger businesses and when you start unpacking that commercial real estate or office space in particular has its roots in people right the main problem you're trying to solve with office space is how you meet the needs of the people that work for you and the nature of the needs of the people that work for companies especially in knowledge working has fundamentally changed the the way that these larger businesses are hiring people so they're hiring people from a compoundingly globalized workforce hiring people where they don't have office space and keeping hold of that talent is one of the one of the biggest challenges for them so back in the day 50 years ago it was common to have a job you know you work for the insurance company if you have you know, a good package and a good incentive to stay with that company for the rest of your career, these days are gone. And it's common within my peer group and amongst other companies that I'm close to for people to, to work there for two years, one year, and, and move on quite quickly, even into new industries. That behavior is what office space is trying to solve for. And that can't be met with that sort of traditional idea of the factory, where you have the, the resources and everything in one centralized location, and you need to hire people or get people to live near your resource, your factory, when you have a globalized workforce and you have sporadic needs that need to be met by people that will move on if you don't meet them. This is the challenges that especially big companies are, are dealing with in a sort of compound more complex way and that's what we're solving for so we doubled down on that as a strategy and it's really is starting to look like it's it's working for us which is yeah which is good i guess well as they say the bigger the problem the bigger the opportunity and you guys are certainly solving that problem so it's a great opportunity for dasana but there's a lot of investors that have believed in your vision so kudos to you man and i i just want to come back to the customer focus for a moment because we talk about moving from a board b2c B to small B to B to big B maybe, but is there is there a profile or a, a, a customer focus that Dasana supports? Any of the scale up companies that you can mention here today? Yeah, so we're working with a handful of corporates now. Today we're legally tied to not name dropping them publicly. I can tell you offline. That's really <laughs> exciting. So we're we're making a really great progress there, getting great feedback, working extremely hard to make that work and growing the use cases within these larger companies. There's hundreds in the pipeline as well, which is really exciting. But we're we found a real focus on working with companies that are are rapidly growing and hiring in a decentralized way. We've ended up working with companies like Onfido, who they've raised $190 million. They're hiring people all over the world. We're providing access to workspace in many different locations. And as they open up countries with COVID restrictions changing, providing Desana as the solution for them accessing workspace through a single platform in all these countries 
solving a bunch of problems there. We're working with Cargo One, who are an exciting sort of German-founded logistics company, and they've raised significant venture funding as well, hiring in a distributed way. They, they told us we were going to use it predominantly in Berlin and London, and we've seen them using it literally all over the world, which is really great. And so, yeah, we're, yeah, we're onboarding a number of, of larger, more well-known names, as well as working with a, a, a growing number of high-growth technology companies. And these are our two real focuses, enterprise and very high-growth technology companies. And we're finding that we add loads of value there. And yeah, so that's the real focus for us. So you talk about the two focuses, corporates and venture-backed high-growth technology companies. Are you seeing different problems between the two? I suppose there's some of the same problems, but are there any distinct differences you can talk about between the two? Yeah, enterprise is far more complex. They have more existing infrastructure that you need to work with. And the, the conversations leading up to a, a pilot or start starting actually implementing the kind of network part of the solution take many months to understand exactly where you should be focusing on and exactly what the solution can be. The way that we've built the infrastructure of the SANA allows them to curate the experience down to the individual employee level so they can control who can work where and they can work with us to understand what criteria the sites must meet for them to be switched on within the SANA for their employees and they really care about that kind of control. On that note, I, I hear a lot of people talk about how working from anywhere or remote work or having distributed team, there's a lot of feeling of loss of control. And so is this sort of the problem you're solving by giving that corporate control and oversight over where everyone's working? Partially. This is the, the challenge is that it's Yes, it's a real estate problem that we're solving, but in order for it to work, there needs to be a culture change happens as well. Command and control from a, a managerial perspective, it lends itself better to uh, a centralized office where you sit there nine till five. Distributed working relies on the management within a business to let go of that granular control of you must be at your desk at nine and you must leave at five or until I tell you to leave and we need you to be in, in this location. And I think a lot of companies since the pandemic have proven that they can give people more trust, more autonomy, and that they actually enjoy that trust and autonomy. So that, that kind of needs to happen in order for this to work. And it is happening, which is really positive for the employee. And um, as a, coming back to the, the challenges that we're actually solving with workspaces, how do you meet the needs of the employee so that you don't leave and that good people join? And in order for, I think, yeah, companies from now on in a compounding way now and into the future, they need to give people more trust more autonomy over their, their jobs and where they can work and when they can work. And so that's uh, really at the, the sort of core of it. Yep. And I certainly agree with you on that. As anyone listening knows on my LinkedIn post, I'm a big fan of workplace choice. But this trend, which maybe become the norm soon, is going to change commercial real estate, the impact it's going to have on commercial real estate is significant going forward, in my opinion. But the supply side of commercial real estate is traditionally slow to respond to customer demand. It's Someone said it's like trying to turn a big ocean liner before it hits the iceberg. What do you think supply needs to do differently? People talk a lot about how flexible workspace operators have got a lot to learn from hospitality, and they definitely do. So the, the hotel industry has been more open with their occupancy, relying more and more on third party, third party who 
provide the optimal user experience for the consumer to increase occupancy in a more algorithmic and data-driven way. And I think there's going to be aspects of that that the flexible real estate industry must adopt. The challenge is with the flexible workspace industry versus, so the hotels are places for people to sleep where they don't have a house, typically. Yeah. Unless you're being very luxurious with yourself one weekend or something, you don't typically use a hotel where you live. And flexible workspaces are also where you live. So the, the user behavior is not quite the same because it's your house and it's your hotel. And uh, the market doesn't quite behave in the same way because you don't typically sign up to a hotel for two years. And uh, this kind of, the, the parallels that people draw directly from the hotel industry don't quite fit yet to flexible workspace because of that uh, change. So there's there's certain data that the, the workspace providers are some in some cases understandably cautious about sharing. And they have a core customer that makes them 98% of their revenue that's taking uh, workspace for two, three, four years five years in some cases and growth or, or certainly significant revenue from companies like WeWork focusing on enterprise and replacing the bigger chunks of their leased portfolio with flex on more flexible deals. They're using the service space for two years rather than taking a 20-year lease on a building. And so you have to take that into consideration. And this is something we really focused on at Desana is how we really complement a flexible workspace provider's core business model rather than you know, trudging in there and saying, you've got to work with us in this way. You've got to give us a discount. We're going to devalue your product and homogenize it with everyone else as this kind of booking booking.com for, for workspace model doesn't quite fit. And you need to take that into consideration. We certainly need to take it into consideration as to how we work with these companies. They are slow to change and they are changing. There's more technology being deployed into flexible workspace providers. There's more data available on inventory, more s smarter use of space. And it's happening slowly, but it is happening. Those that don't embrace the change move towards data-driven occupancy solutions, I think will be ultimately left behind if, if we don't start being a bit more transparent about that and finding smarter ways with less friction to get their space filled and provide more flexibility with parts of their product as well to adopt new behaviors that we're seeing. So it's, yeah, it's not an, a particularly easy parallel to draw from hospitality, but I think there is a lot of things that can be can be drawn from it so the flex industry is coming into its own it's mature I mean, it's been around for ages but it sounds what, what you're describing to me is i reference what ben munn from jll said on the podcast last season we're moving into flex 2.0 so i want to reframe this question though and focus in on the commercial real estate landlord side the traditional market what do you think that part of supply needs to do differently to accommodate new customer demand. Yeah, so again, I can foresee there being the tenants with large amounts of lease space that need any more being a consideration for landlords. So how do they help them with uh, solutioning for, for the, the subleasing or more flexible use of that spare capacity? They definitely, and we're seeing this across the market, I think, you know, we discussed before the kind of WeWork, Cushman, Wakefield, the industrious CBRE, um, GLL Flex, um, you know, 
really agency solutioning for a landlord to bring more flexible products into their portfolio. So gone are the days of we've built a building, there's nothing in it, and can you lease it for as long as possible, for as much as possible? They have to become a bit more creative with how they're providing a service with that. And there'll be food and beverage aspects of this, more service around the amenities in the buildings. And I can foresee there being uh, a real need for for flexible workspace, almost as an amenity to every substantial asset for landlords. And having that as an amenity for the the core tenants that are taking longer-term commitments on a lease basis in that building and using the flex within that building, this is already happening. But I think we're going to see more and more of that happening. And then potentially larger and larger chunks of that asset being allocated to more flexible products. Yeah, I, I agree with you there as well. And like you said, it is happening. Just even this week, Ivanhoe Cambridge, shout out to Jonathan Pierce, who's episode one this season, but they've announced their new JV with Alliance here in London. Flexible driven spaces to support a hybrid workforce is the lead on that building. It's 158,000 square feet. They've got obviously the big, everybody knows AXA's 22 Bishopsgate here in London, 1.2 million square feet, 100,000, 200,000 square foot of that is flex and amenity space. There's landlords out there really doing a good, great Portland Estates is doing it. So there's a big response, but I think overall there's still a bit of slow moving change, but I'm certainly encouraged by the change that is happening. But you mentioned CBRE, Industrious, Cushman Wakefield, WeWork. I want to get your opinion on this because what... I'm looking at from my point of view as an operator is CBRE launched their own flex operation called HANA, ran that for a couple of years, and then did the deal with Industrious that merged HANA into Industrious Operations. Cushman Wakefield has now, they launched their own white label product for operating flex uh, a couple of years ago, and they've now taken this investment into WeWork. Do you think this is a warning or a signal maybe to landlords and other agents thinking about launching their own space as a service business? Perhaps not a warning. These are large multinational businesses that have good relationships across the the sort of stakeholders within the industry. So on paper, it makes a lot of sense for them to to do it themselves. And I've got no doubt that there'll be others that that give it a go. I I don't know the performance of DLL Flex, but they seem to be growing still. I think culturally, there's perhaps a difference in a sort of scrappy operator that's going to make things work and some of these sort of slower moving corporates. But I wouldn't underestimate their ability to bring Flex operations to the market for their landlords and also working quite closely with their their occupiers that they, they obviously have good relationships with globally. But through different industries as well, you can look at Google and their multiple, constant multiple attempts to, to innovate. And it's no, you can't blame these, these big agencies for innovating the products and services that they bring to the table. Some of them are going to stick, some of them aren't. Some of them are going to be better done with, uh, with partnerships. It's a point for us to consider as well. We partner with all of the major agents and, and many of the brokers globally. There's always a bit of talk of some of them doing it themselves. And we would say, and I'm sure you would say the same about op- operating Flex, uh, they're not fundamentally technology companies and technology companies behave very different from large real estate agencies. And that's at the core of we're going to continue to be an independent, fundamentally a technology company innovating as fast as possible, raising multiple venture funding and, and building a around our core identity and service that we're providing. And, and that's something to consider. What What's the best thing for their clients? Is it the spin-up thing within 
their big corporate or is it you know the best product in the market that exists already and that might have been the case for HANA it might have been the case for Cushman Wakefield's considerations for their flex product how do we bring the best solution to our clients and that's going to be a blend of different answers in different fields so yeah the answer is definitely there's going to be somebody that does it better than others well it's a very diplomatic answer but very articulate it's certainly it's a big decision to make and it's not not pennies but i want to switch gears a little bit and i'm a big believer in plus instead of versus and i've talked about this on linkedin i've talked about this on the podcast before the office plus work from anywhere, not versus. Do you think commercial real estate in the industry can embrace this mentality? I think they have to, quite frankly. It comes back to what problem are you actually solving? You're actually trying to get the best talent into your business. The occupier is trying to get the best talent into their business, and they're trying to keep that talent in their business. They're getting that talent in a compoundingly globalized way. So we can't hire developers, we can't hire operations people the way we used to. We've got this great person who's in Singapore. We don't have an office in Singapore, but we're going to hire her anyway. So how how do we go about doing that? These are the considerations that the occupier has. Therefore, the commercial real estate industry needs to embrace that core change. And if you don't, there's this, one of my favorite sayings is evolve or die. And if you look at all the the industries and companies that no longer exist, that were global core employers in in so many communities that that didn't evolve because they put their stake in the ground and said, this is what we, who we are as a company, this is what we provide as a service. And the the, the, the industries that are no longer relevant, that were relevant, even in the early 90s, 80s, 70s, they're no longer here because said they didn't evolve and i think the commercial real estate industry bear that in mind because there are stakeholders within the commercial real estate industry that are embracing change and they'll be the ones that that do best in five to ten years time versus the ones that don't evolve michael i have nothing to add to that you said it very well and i think you're 100 correct and the industry absolutely does need to embrace this mentality and i'll keep banging on about it as we evolve into the future speaking of the future What's next for Dasana? Loads. In short, we're making our first hires in the US, which is really exciting. So um, we're currently a team. Thank you. Uh, somewhere close to your heart, I believe. So yeah, we've had customers active in the US for about a year now, and we're continuing to see demand grow for us with companies that we're onboarding at the moment. Our current customers active actively using the product in the US, and it, it's a big, exciting market for us. And, and so we're doubling down on hiring in the US. We're continuing to raise funding and grow our, our team innovate on how we're building product and the functionality that will be in Desana. There's going to be a big focus. We're just about to kick off a really exciting pilot with a large multinational business for desk booking in their HQ. And we're going about that in quite a, a different way to other products in the market. And uh, this pilot is a really exciting opportunity to really establish yourself as a HQ solution for desk booking and tying that together with the network aspect of the product and uh, in a sort of native way through third parties and not through the network part of the product being a secondary add-on. There's a lot of service and time and effort and resource needs to go behind making that a good experience. So I'm really excited about bringing quite a unique 
proposition to the market with that. In the, in the sort of midterm, there's going to be an evolution as to what we do as a company in the, in, towards the end of this year, which we can't talk about yet. So yeah, we're about to kick off the exciting new sort of project within Desana, totally related to how, how we're working with companies at the moment and evolving how deeply we work with particular stakeholders within who we work with at the moment. Yeah, we're really excited to be evolving what we do as a company. And I think there's a lot of skepticism across commercial real estate as to how relevant the SANA will be or these on-demand models will be. And we're thinking about how we get deeper relationships with different stakeholders within what we're doing. And hopefully, Caleb, this time next year, we will have announced this and it'll all be going and uh, we can talk about exactly what we're doing. But so there's an exciting evolution of what we're doing coming in the next couple of months, which which we're looking forward to. Yeah, that's a really exciting time for us to be kind of growing the business and, and, and evolving what we're doing essentially over, over the coming months. So yeah, it's it's all go. I'm, I'm currently on annual leave and it's it just goes to show how much is going on because there's a, a lot of kind of customer demand loads of new exciting things happening making annual leave a very weak concept uh, which is which is I suppose good uh, at this stage of the journey so it's yeah an exciting time for us when you're an entrepreneur it's all about work-life blend and you're passionate about what you're doing so you don't mind working when you're on holiday we'll have to we'll have to have a an update episode a year from now and talk about everything that you've done since uh since today absolutely yeah yeah let's hope it's not talking about my uh new role in in a supermarket Paying no. off my debts, the house up for sale. Yeah, let's hope it's not that, Caleb. Definitely, definitely not. All right, Michael, we're going to move into the quick fire round now. Three quick questions, three quick answers. And the first one is, who inspires you in our industry? In our industry, who inspires us? That's a really difficult question. Generally inspired by Herman Miller. Love their content. I really love their way of thinking about how they promote their business and the resources they bring to the market. I think are really excellent. Every time I hear somebody from Herman Miller speak, Mark, catch love Bertie, Herman Miller, I always come away with inspiration. There's one off the top of my head. Great answer. Mark and Bertie are, are excellent speakers. Okay. Next question, Michael. What podcast or media do you consume to stay up to date on the latest industry trends? I spend a lot of time thinking about how to build a technology company and try and keep my head out from the status quo with real estate semi-purposefully and really focus on how many customers we can speak to, how many companies in the vertical that we're focused on we can speak to and listen to them. And the podcasts or the content that I consume regularly, uh, how I built this, the the, uh, podcast Masters of Scale, the Reed Hoffman podcast. I listen up to a lot of Seth Godin's uh, work, the Akimbo podcast. I think he's an excellent source. So he's like a modern day philosopher. I think he's excellent. And uh, these insights I find really useful for getting perspective on how to build a good company. We're really focusing on how we build a, a not only good for our customers, but good for the people that work for us. And these resources are really, really great. And my final question is, and this is, I think, is apropos for ending this podcast, because the question is, what is your favorite holiday destination? Given the current global health situation, uh, I'm not perhaps in my favorite. Maybe I'm in my favorite holiday destination. I'm in the Highlands of Scotland. Uh, I'm very lucky. My girlfriend's family have a house sort of the northwest of Scotland, and it is extremely beautiful. In my opinion, one of the most beautiful parts of the world. And we do kayaking and walking, staring at hills and walking up them sometimes. And uh, I really love it up here. It's we're really blessed to live in such a beautiful country. So yeah, let's leave it at the Highlands of Scotland. 
the Highlands of Scotland. You're from Scotland, though. This is like home for you, isn't it? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. This is. Yeah. Exactly. You. I mean, you've just back from war, but there's not too many people flying to Greece for their holidays at the moment. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's an easy cop out of trying to choose my favorite country <laughs> outside. Yeah. We weren't in a pandemic. You'd have to think for five or six minutes on where you. I, I know exactly. Okay, yeah. Fine. Too busy to go on holiday. Too busy to go on holiday. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your insight and what you're up to at Dasana exciting times i'm looking forward to continuing our offline conversations where can people connect with you on social media yeah so forget about twitter you'll see that as a barren uh, historic attempt at trying to get into twitter i'm most active on linkedin and have deleted my facebook app so yeah like linkedin is is where you'll find me michael coburn spelled c-o-c-k-b-u-r-n and yeah. you can get desana at desana.io follow us on all the social for desana and yeah that's uh, that's where you'll find me online we'll put this links in the show notes below so people can find you on linkedin and connect with dasana on all the socials again thank you so much michael and for everyone listening today thank you for tuning in until next time take care of yourself thank you for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and remember fortune favors the bold drum roll please p.s if you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. This podcast was produced by a podcast company. If you'd like to find out how we can help you with your podcast, simply email jason at apodcastcompany.com and check out our website at apodcastcompany.com. Music.